Yes, it is Friday, February 10, Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a great weekend in prospect, isn't it? What about Sunday? UFC 284 in Perth, Volkanovski, Makachev, and the pay-per-view numbers suggest it could become the most watched event in Australian UFC history. And you think of the fights. Remember the early days of Ronda Rousey and how big some of those fights have been, the numbers at this stage, tracking it's that grown, way. though. UFC, oh, certainly in this country, has grown, I reckon, in the last 10 years. So I, I, that's understandable. And you're, you've got your own fighter. Like, you're, an Aussie's fighting. I, I, I'll be watching for sure. Oh. And again, I'm hoping the test match is still going. <laughs> but I'm that pumped to watch this, this UFC fight. I, I just think it'd be... Is it at Optus Stadium? I think so. Pretty sure. No, it's have to be. It'd have to be at a venue that, of that size. Man, it's going to be massive. I reckon if he can win this, he might be greatest of all time they're talking about. Mm. Like, it's that big a fight. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about it. I'll watch it, but I don't know too much about who he's fighting. But in his weight division that he fought in previously, nah, genius. he was, he was just the best. Yeah, he's gone up in weight now. Yeah, but now That's... he's got to face someone a bit bigger. Um, I'm hoping, and it'd be great to see him win. Oh, mate. Um and fingers crossed he does, but it'll be a it'll be a great atmosphere over there in Perth. And no, it's at the RAC Arena. Okay, yeah. I was going to say Sorry. if it was outdoors, yeah. it'd be pretty yeah, warm. A, yeah. no, Perth, Perth at the moment 35, 36 yeah. degrees. Yeah. yeah, stinking hot. Yeah, it's at the yeah, RAC Arena. Is so that is that got a, is that covered? Yes, it's yep. indoors. Yeah, yep. okay. Either way, it's going to be massive event. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, so the market with Tab has. Well, Volks three seventy five, Makachev a dollar twenty seven. Remember yeah. that uh, Volkanovski's moving up a division, so he's moving up to it's his lightweight, isn't it? Yet, yeah, so he will still hold the featherweight title. Yes, uh, correct. He, he, but he's trying to be champ, champ. So I think you asked me about the weights part. Yeah, what's, so, what's, how much so is he going featherweight, up? Featherweight, he has to featherweight. You got to weigh in at one hundred and forty five pounds, which is sixty five point seven seven kilos. Lightweight is 155 pounds, which is 70.3. Okay, so four kilos we're talking. Yeah, four about, and a half about kilos. Four, four and a bit. Which is still, again, remember that's what you're weighing at. That's not what they'll fight exactly. at. They'll put yeah. on another five kilos. So you're fighting at 75. Mm. It's a big difference. Like, well, you think four kilos in, in your sport, mm. Loz, let alone in that sport, like just wrestling a bloke, getting up off the ground, tackling a bloke that's four kilos heavier than yeah. you. And you'd imagine that four kilos is not fat, it's muscle. Well, well it's funny, <laughs> mate, because some people carry weight better than others. Yeah, true, true. And it, some blokes are stronger than you think as well, that's right? E- that's exactly right. So, so you might be, you know, you know, I might say to you, uh, mate, I need you to put on four or five kilo this off-season. Yeah. Mate, that's fine. You can put it on and good muscle yeah. and strength and everything like that. But still takes you ages in to get used to carrying that weight. Yeah, true. And sometimes they go, you know what? We probably need you to take off mm. two. We probably only need you to put on three mm. instead of that five. And I'm just wondering, as a boxer or a UFC fighter, mm. your first fight when you have to go from a division up another division, yeah. well, how well you carry that weight. Well, the other thing, and, and same if you go from you know, a, a higher division down to a lower. lower See, I lighter, would think for division. someone like Volkanovski, it would be hard. It'd be, the hardest challenge he's had is to get his body weight down to what he's been fighting at. Because yeah. remember, he was playing front row. 
mm. when he was playing rugby league. I, I think he said he was 110 kilos at one stage, and he's so short. Yeah, he's very short. So yeah. you'd like mm. you'd like to think him putting weight on. He's been there before, mm. you know. So that might. It's always easier for us to put weight well, on. Isn't well, it? that's what yeah. it's got to carry it well. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to be able to, you know, because you're tired. But you're why? Tired who, the, who's he fighting? Who's he fighting again? You know, Makachev. And he's he's paying what? He's the favourite. He's a favourite. Dollar twenty-seven favourite. So that's mm. what I'm saying. That four kilos must make a massive difference. Uh, now, what a weekend! So we've got uh, the preseason challenge, of course, the All Stars game, the cricket continues, and some fantastic racing as well. And Ali Mosley from Sky Racing is joining us. How are you, Ali? Weekend of sports, isn't it? Particularly with racing, we get to see the big. What do we call him? The big A back. <laughs> The big A, Enemo. The big A. Oh, Enemo. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Get your head out of the cricket, Mino, you know, for a minute. Or the UFC. <laughs> I was thinking A, Alexander. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the big A, Enemo. Yeah. One of our best, no doubt about it. But, uh, Ali, let's start with tonight. Let's go in uh, sort of uh, chronological order and find some winners. So, Canterbury, what have you got for us tonight? I'm hoping I found one here coming up in race five. I, I was keen on Dan Andretti, but I'm hearing that she could potentially be scratched. Do we have confirmation of that yet? Person sitting opposite me? Uh, no, no confirmation. So I won't go with Dan Andretti. Um, <laughs> so instead, in race five, I'm going with above and beyond. First time over 1900, last start at Canterbury. He saw out the trip, hit the line strongly. I thought he looked in super order. He's rock hard fit. We know he can run it now. That was on a soft track, so he'll handle the track tonight. And I just think, I think he's on about the 10-day backup now, and I think um, he'll be absolutely peachy, perfect, ready to go. So that is above and beyond in race five tonight, and I think we'll get a bit of a price about him too. $8. $8.230 the place at the moment as it stands. Oh, that sounds good value. Um, Talking of the big A then, how's he going to go, Ali? I, I mean, I can't see him getting beaten. I don't normally like going with short price favourites, but I, I just can't see with a field of stayers predominantly resuming, I, I can't see how any of them will be able to beat him, particularly over 1,400 first up. The, the, the only one who I think will possibly give him a run for his money, and I think at $8, if, you, if you'd like to take a bit of a place bet on her, is Fangirl. She's been trialling super. Her last trial was really impressive behind uh, Crosstalk Sheeta Belter and Zoo Gotcha, and she ran really well first up last spring. So if we're going off that, um, I think that's something that we can tick the box of. Again, she's another one who won't like a bottomless, but she'll be able to handle the soft track, and we're on uh, a soft five there at the moment at Randwick tomorrow, and it's quite warm today, so I'm hoping that uh, we get a little bit of drying weather. So I think Animo will be... Almost impossible to beat, but Fangirl is going to run an enormous race first up. What about the English Millennium, Ali? Yeah, I found this tricky, actually, because I'm, I'm finding it tricky at the moment to line up the Colts and the Phillies. I, I would say the Phillies have the head over the Colts at the moment, and obviously learning to fly is the big boom horse, that Philly by Justify. Um, I'm, I'm really keen to see how Mexico goes. I'm, I'm not going to tip him because it just makes me a little bit nervous, and particularly given what happened last week at the barriers. He's since trialled, so he went back on Monday, trialled really well, um, did everything right. I think it's just knocked a bit of the edge off him, which will be good because he was super fresh last weekend at the races. But I'm actually, again, going hopefully with a bit of value, and I'm going with the seal, uh, Gerald Ryan and Sterling Alexiou's Philly by Trapeze Artist. I saw Gerald at Truckwork. Tuesday morning and he just mentioned that the break, albeit a little one, uh, has just 
let her strengthen. So he's really happy with how she's come back in. She's had the one trial coming into this. They're happy with how she's working at home. She's eating everything. They wanted to see her strengthen. And that's what she's done. So I think um, I do concede that learning to fly will be tricky to beat, but I think Fasil will run a really nice race first up in the millennium. Uh, what about the the first race while we're on yeah. the two-year-olds? So uh, King's Gambit's out, uh, being saved. Don Corleone, $1.70. Uh, are you taking it on or are you with, uh, well, the uh, debutante winner? I think... It's a tricky one because dollar sixty five for any two year old is never appealing, and I don't I don't think I would ever take that. But I think he will be particularly hard to beat. Um, he's a beautiful little running type. He's got uh, everything stacking up for him, uh, drawn well, right jockey. Everything looks good. But again, there's another one in that that I'm really interested to see resume, and that is Razors. And I think he's when I checked last night, he was twenty twenty something bucks. Um, this colt by sidestep out of the Godolphin team. Darren Beedman, when I used to go and bug him at track work last prep, used to say he's one of our standouts, but he's just not probably putting it all together at the moment. He's just got to furnish and his brain's got to catch up as well. So he ran a lot behind Barber last prep. He came out running the Kirkham and then the Golden Gift and, and probably didn't do as much as we hoped he would. He was a little bit disappointing. He over-raced. He just didn't settle. He just began awkwardly. Everything sort of went wrong for him. So off that trial that we've seen him in since, I'm hoping that he's been able to settle, do a few things um, right, and just furnish mentally. Uh, Wink has come off, so I just think at $26, first up, he could be the one to give Don Corleone a run for his money. What about in the light fingers, Ali? You said you don't like taking short-price favourites, and uh, <laughs> NMO was that in the Apollo States. But what about in secret? We've got a few shorties, don't we, and, and, and good often shorties as well that I think normally I wouldn't, you know, be too keen on. But I think in secret, everything just looks to set up really well for her on Saturday. So if you're ever going to take a $1.85 favourite, I think she's probably the one that you should be confident with. But again, I'm looking outside of her. Again, I think she'll be hard to beat. But just watching Fireburn and the way that she's come back. Uh, she had that trial at Warwick Farm. She trialed on a good track, and we know that she more so relishes the heavy tracks. Um, she can handle ground, which is what we like to see, but I just think there's something different about her this prep. Gary Portelli has always said that she never shows much at home in track work or in her trials, and she showed a lot in her latest trial, which is super impressive behind none other than Nature Strip. Uh, she beat home Rhea Dini. She was just absolutely trucking through the line, which suggests that she's obviously come back flying. So I think In Secret will win and I think Fireburn is going to run a place. Uh, now, down south, first group one of the calendar year in the awe at Sandown. I'm Thunderstruck is the favourite, or in fact was the favourite, but Jackano's been backed into favouritism there. Uh, Jackano 340, I'm Thunderstruck $4. Are you with either? Are you looking at Tuvalu or have you got to feel it all in the race? I've always been a huge fan of I'm Thunderstruck, so I'll, I'll stick with him. I think um, he was a little bit unlucky last preparation, I guess is the only way you could put it. Um, always the bridesmaid, um, but his bracing pattern probably doesn't uh, bode well for that, but I'll, I'll stick with him. I've always loved I'm Thunderstruck, and, and um, I'll, I'll fly the flag for him. There's actually another um, one that I'm following down to Melbourne on the weekend, and that comes up in, where are we? I think race five he runs in. Uh, race eight, sorry, and it's Sunshine Rising. So I think um, he's been trialling really well and he's obviously the former Hong Kong galloper with um, 
Mark Newnham. We didn't see the best of him last prep. I kept sort of waiting to see it and we didn't get to see it, but I think they've got a bit of a wrap on him and he's had a let up and a winning trial since. So I'll follow him down to Sandown. That's in race eight, Sunshine Rising. Yeah, race eight, number six. What about your best bet overall, Ali? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Amaranth in race two in the highway. I think sometimes we can just get a bit of value about these runners. I added her to the black book off her last run in her closing section. She was running times that suggested she was um, better than highway company. And yet we see her in highway company again and we get $6 about her um, tomorrow. Okay. Randwick race two, number 14, Amaranth uh, for Danielle Saib, Tyler Schiller in the saddle, $6 your best bet. And uh, yeah. so tonight at Canterbury, race five, number three, above and beyond, an $8 chance. Uh, you're also liking at Randwick in the English Millennium, race six, number nine, Fasil, $7.50. In the Piero Plate, race one, number eight, raises $23 the win, four forty the place. And at Sandown, race eight, number six, Sunshine Rising, $4.60. Ali, have I missed yeah. anything of significance <laughs> I don't think so. I've just gone a little bit right. I've just gone everywhere this way. Love it. <laughs> uh, because I get in a lot of trouble when I don't read your tips out. So I've got to, <laughs> I've got to make sure I've got them. But we really appreciate it as always. Uh, give them strength and have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Hopefully we get some winners. Deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin, a filling of 100% lean Aussie beef. I'm talking about Garlo's pies, the only pies you should be putting on your plate. Garlo's pies are simply bursting with flavour and there's heaps of flavours to choose from. And here's a thought taken right off from cooking. Grab a Garlo's family pie for the whole crew. They're available in all Coles and Woolworth stores. And remember, we're located in the chilled meals section. If you can't find us, well, just ask for Garlo's pies by name. Garlo's pies, they're thin on pastry, they're big on meat. First session today, Clarkie. Here we go. Big state. And I hate saying hard this. Hard or head. Hard or head. I hate saying head. this because it's, you know, the amount of times after two hours people are riding, you know, a team off in test cricket. But yes. I can't help but feel this first session today could determine the test match. The test match. I thought you were going to say the test series. I think the test match, I agree with you. I think 100 runs behind Inder at the moment, they are. So let's say... Let's say they go, there's another, there's 70 runs, worst case, in the first hour, in the first session to be had. So Australia, Australia really need India. They're one down now. They've probably got to have them, they've got to have them five down at lunch. At least. Because I think they can knock the tail over because it's spinning enough. I think they've got to get... Mate, the one for me, Ash, Ashwin, he's batting his underrated in these yeah. conditions. The average is 27. Mate, so if they're five down at lunch with still 50-run lead, if India have got – India can't – Australia can't afford India to have more than a 50-run lead. So they need to bowl them out for two – call it 240. 230. 230. Right. Bowl them out for 230, then I still think game on because it's going to be easier to bat third than it is fourth. How quickly does a pitch deteriorate over there overnight? Because what I'm thinking is they, they look comfortable. Who's that? India, India looked comfortable yeah. last night. Yeah, well, India. All right. It, so, so does it break up a lot in uh, this first no, session? No. Well, the first, the best time to bat is the first hour because you got the roller on the right. pitch. So the first hour to be fine. So As, we're unlikely to take later the five uh, wickets. Well, so not, they, no, not necessarily the second hour. And mate, India's like that. You can right. go even if they go. No wickets. Let's say they get one wicket in the first hour. The second hour, they could get four. 
Definitely. So I can it, just bang, go. Bang, bang, bang. Th- it's hard yeah, to start. Yeah, but the wicket can start to break really and, quickly. Yep. And it's once you get a breakthrough, yep. you can you bring fielders back in. That's the thing Australia's got to be careful. I know they've only got 177 runs on the board, but you've still got to look to take wickets. So, for example, what I was surprised with Pat Cummins' tactics yesterday, he had a long on every ball Nathan line and... Um, Giving up cheap runs. And Murphy. Todd Murphy bowled. Like, if the ball's spinning like you think it is... For them to try and hit one over mid-on's mm. head, brings in inside edge to mid-wicket, brings in stumped, brings in bold, brings in um, caught bat pad. Like, sometimes, you, I, I know we haven't got many runs, and that's a tough one for Paddy to work with. So he's trying to give his bowlers some protection. But I think he's got to also allow... You want the batter to take a risk. Mm. You know, you want them to try and take a risk and hit that one over the top. If they, if they hit one or two over the top, fair play, put him back. But he's just got to be really smart with his tactics here because if in, if India make if India get two eighty three hundred, mate, they mightn't have to bat again. Mm. He had his worst day as Australian captain yesterday. Our skipper, he uh, he bowled poorly. Yeah, he bowled too straight. Uh, he have thirteen off him bowled, in the first he bowled, over. He bowled too yeah. straight. I mean, the first first shot was a false shot that went for yeah, four. Yeah. Um, he capped his captaincy was well. You've just explained it, pup. Mm. And it's a hard uh, one. Hundred and seventy-seven. He did. He won the toss. That was a good well, start. Yeah, it was a good start. But one hundred and seventy-seven on the board. You're not giving your captain much leeway to make any sort of error. Mm. So the other thing about him, when you're batting eight, you can bat. His well, batting has fallen yeah, has, off I, I, the perch. It has, it he has. used because, to be yeah. a very good batsman. Well, I said before the series, he, he'll be very handy for us if he's at his best. I don't know because he happened. plays the spin pretty well. He hits When he hits yeah. with the spin, he strikes the ball clean. He hits boundaries. He's got a good slog sweep. Uh, he hits down the ground well. Like Paddy's technically, like he mm. should have scored some test hundreds. Yep. But yeah, his batting, has he hasn't scored enough runs in the past since he's taken over the captaincy. Because I think he's a better batter than what his numbers have been. I agree with that. Last night in uh, the preseason challenge over at Mount Smart Stadium, the New Zealand Warriors, 48, the West Tigers, 12. Marcelo Montoya bagged a hat trick for the Warriors. What about poor old Charlie Staines at the back? He just barged over the top of Staines. Staines did some good things in the game yeah. too, by the way. But uh, I thought for the Tigers as well, Utoi Kamanu, the young front rower, Loz, who's had some you know injuries over the last couple of years. When he gets a you know strings, games, and experience together, he's going to be a handful and an asset for the Tigers. Uh, he will, and he'll improve as the season goes on because he's got some other experienced players in the forwards with him. You know, he's not carrying the can on his own. So you've you've got um, yeah, Clemmer there, uh, Papali, uh, Bateman. When he comes to the club, you've got Alex Twile. Um, you got Sean Bloor, who will be there. Um, the Tigers have got some good kids in that squad last night that played. Um, and I don't read too much into trial performances. I've said that for a long period of time. We get to see Tigers next week when they run around because you'd expect some of those uh, bigger-name players, your, your Deweys and your Brookses, to be in that squad as well. Um, I think they'll have a much more improved year this year compared to last year, the West Tigers. I don't think they can make the finals, but I think they'll they'll win more than the more than what six games they won this uh, last year. I think it was six games? Four. 
Well, four, juice, yeah. They'll win more than four mm. games. Big weekend, isn't it? We mentioned the UFC earlier. Also, the uh, Sydney Derby in the A-League. We'll preview that with Mossy in half an hour's time. Uh, the Wanderers slight outsiders at home, even though they're, what, second on the ladder. Uh, $2.70 with tab. Sydney FC, $2.50. And the draw, $3.40 uh, for that match. So Mossy coming up a little bit later. The multi's coming up now, though, Loz. What have you got for us? Uh, we're going interstate to start with tomorrow. We're going to Sandown, race four, number one, Charmstone to run top two. And then we're coming back to wait till the last at Rarewick. Race 10, number four, Waterford to win. And if you'd like to be a part of that BSB multi, that's paying six bucks. Six bucks, tab app. Tab website, click on sport and today's offers. Australia resumed today 100 runs ahead of India, who have nine wickets in hand in their first innings. What about... When I first heard it, I was like, what's going on here? Is there an issue around the ground? The sirens for the no balls, Clarky. Mm, no ball front foot siren. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, have, have we seen that anywhere else? Can't think of it, but gee, it was, uh, you could. <laughs> don't know. So, what that must be is third umpire watching yes. every single delivery. Um, so, if there is a no ball front. So, th- I actually think that's a good rule. I, the umpires have a, a tough enough job, mm. on field umpires, watching what's happening down the other end. I, I think if you've got a third umpire there um, sitting in the, um, in the DRS. Or in the wherever they're sitting in that room with all the technology, yeah. I think they should control the no ball front foot. So I like it. I don't know if we need the siren, just a little pssst, no ball front foot, umpy. All right, put your arm out so only the umpire can hear it. He's got mm. he's, he's mic'd up, but he's got the earpiece in up to the third umpire. So I yeah, don't know why you ground, need the siren, they? but anyway, yeah. I, I like that they're doing it. Yeah, they're at the ground because in the NRL, they're yeah, no, nah, third umpires up in the box. Yeah, they're they're out. The they're, they're not. Right at the ground, yeah. so they feel as though they don't get as influenced in some of the decision making. Yeah, today's bowl three of them. Yeah, which uh, that, yeah, spinners bowling no balls. I saw that at no, yeah, but he was superb, no, wasn't he? I five for forty-seven in the end. Ball. I wasn't bowling no balls. I would, I wanted to bowl five over balls, five ball overs. Get me out of there to bowl an extra one. Ugh. No, thank you. Well, special guest now, we took over at New South Wales after Phil Jakes was let go late last year. Of course, he's the coach of the Sydney Sixers in the BBL as well. Great to have Greg Shippard on the show again. Morning, Greg. How are you? Yeah, morning, gentlemen. I'm really good. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess firstly, a great season overall, but how many days did you kick stones for after the loss to the Heat in the BBL and, and your overall assessment of the season? Yeah, I had to go home to Melbourne for a couple of days and I took it out with a, a paintbrush and a roller. So I uh, I painted my daughter's house for two days and then when I was uh, done with that, uh, got on a plane back to Sydney um, looking forward to you know the next chapter of the, the season. Uh, but look, I'm super proud of uh, the Sydney Sixers uh, team, you know, in terms of our consistency for five years. I said to the boys, you know, we've been third, first, first, second and third. And, you know, we were 20 runs short with both batting efforts uh, in the finals. So, you know, I'm proud of that consistency. I'm proud of that competitiveness that uh, that they've shown over a long period of time. So uh, there's still plenty of fight in, in that group going forward. Shipper, you mentioned the Sixers. And, again, that record's phenomenal. Why do mm. you think we haven't seen that consistency with our New South Wales team, whether it be Shield cricket or, or one-day cricket? Yeah, look, I'm not sure of the answer to that, Michael. I guess I'll find that out over the next four games just mm. to you know get to know the players 
you know, on a deeper level in four-day cricket, lots of different challenges, uh, you know, in that form over a period of time to understand how the players are, are thinking through, you know, their cricket. But, you know, there's a super amount of talent in the team and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, with uh, adding some information to the to the players around their, their game and in-game uh, with Cameron White also coming on board to support uh, us at this back end, uh, we'll make some progress with, with the group, but uh, you know, I think there are only minor adjustments needed to get them back into winning ways. What about for you personally, buddy? You've been around first-class cricket for a long period of time. You've seen uh, and been a part of so many successful teams. Is this something you'd like to to dive back into full time? Is the Blues job, uh, and is it realistic to think that you could do sixes and all the all the New South Wales stuff? Yeah, anything's realistic. Uh, What I have to do after these four games is probably assess my own personal petrol tank, as I've said to those around me, to to see whether at uh, the ripe old age of 66 that, you know, I've got that energy and drive to to properly, you know, devote uh, that energy to the players. Uh, You know, they deserve that, and and I wouldn't do it unless I could uh, give that uh, totally to 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 them and to the system. Uh, so it's a, it'll be a wait and see after the end of this season unfolds. So, you know, there's some good cricket. We've got 16 days of red ball cricket, a couple of white ball games and some really important uh, talent ID work being done behind the scenes with some second 11 matches that have been put into the program to, to make sure that we have a real understanding of, of our, our next you know, wave of players coming through. Greg, the balance of cricket scheduling... <laughs> We all know it's a huge issue. It feels like a topic we're talking about all the time now. But you've been very vocal about, well, the reduction in the BBL, mm. which has been mooted for next season and going forward. Why is that? Uh, considering when we just saw someone like David Warner get on a plane and go to India and talk about how exhausted he is. Yeah, and I understand that for the three format players, and but there's probably a half a dozen of them. So to the to those circumstances, for those six players, you know, that are in that zone, um, does that override the needs of the other 100 or so, you know, young players from the first game player to the Moses Enrique type player that, uh, that are thirsty for uh, cricket opportunity? And I think playing the game is the best thing for players to learn and develop. So that's the angle I'm coming from. By all means, you know, give David and others that need that space their time off, but I don't think the whole system should change for just those few players, even though it was terrific to have them through a scheduling quirk uh, this year, you know, in the competition, I thought it really brought, you know, some life to, to all the teams that uh, those players were involved in. I know that you're only just getting into, I guess, the, the, the system now as far as the four-day situation with New South Wales is concerned. But, you know, Clarkie, we, we talk about all the time, we can't understand how, considering the talent we've got in New South oh, Wales, man. in club cricket in Sydney, yeah. how it hasn't translated in very recent times to mm. what's going on there at New South Wales. Have you got a theory looking from afar on, on what the issues might be, Greg? Uh, look... I think one of the things I think there's been a bit of a transition in terms of uh, just looking at the whole system has moved from the SCG out to Homebush and now out to Cricket Central, which is a wonderful uh, new facility, which again will drive that just that extra, you know, few percent of improvement that maybe some of the players need. So I think 
there's been transition in terms of facilities for the players. I think, you know, the wicket at the SCG probably hasn't helped, you know, some of the young batting talent in the in the town to to bet itself down as well as it could. So hopefully, you know, in the future that we schedule lots of games there and the wicket stands up to player development. Um, so there are a couple of the little things behind the scenes that might just be holding the process back. But, um, you know, I, I, I've got four games, I guess, to really understand that and talking to a lot of people inside and outside the system will help me understand that and, and help, I guess, me able to be able to guide uh, people in the right direction. And uh, I suppose we better ask you what you thought of the the first day yesterday in, in the side that Australia picked. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, we're teetering at the moment, aren't we? Um, it was a it was an interesting batting performance. I understand all the uh, the, the, the head scratching around the Travis Head selection. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, that did uh, surprise me. Uh, I don't often disagree with, uh, you know, George and Co. I think they've made some really terrific decisions in, in recent seasons. But this one, I think there was a real growth opportunity for Head, given his form over the last two seasons. There was a real opportunity for the team to say, you know, we've got faith and we're backing you in that, you know, this newfound confidence and form, let's go and see it fly and grow and flourish in in the subcontinent. So they put a big question mark around that for him, and I think that was a risk worth taking. Shibby, we've had a number of people message this morning. You talk about the selection panel, and I'm not sure exactly how many people are on that panel these days, but we talk about not picking Steve Smith in our starting 11 in the 2020 World Cup, and now we talk about the, the massive selection in not picking the fourth-ranked test batter in the world in our, in our first test match in India. So have, is, this, is the selection set up, not just in Australian cricket, but even in first-class cricket? Have we got that right? Do we need to go back to what it was 20 years ago? Do we need selectors? Like, where are we, where are we at the moment? Uh, well, I think that the two selectors they've got there in George and Tony Dottomate are both terrific people. And, yeah. and they're two well-identified um, decisions that, if you like, may have backfired on them. But mm. I think there's been a lot of good decisions around uh, yeah. around the, the, the ones that are creating so much discussion. So, uh, and, and the coach and the captain are both having a bigger say, I think, than in the past. Uh, which I think is probably a good thing as well. Uh, we'd set, we certainly do still need, uh, you know, selectors and selection panels, I think, to just provide an, an environment and atmosphere of discussion around players um, so that, you know, the checks and balances on all things around selection are, are, are had and made. I think that's due diligence and should be continued. In state cricket... Will the captain of New South Wales get the eleven players he wants? Like right now, we're sitting here working out: Did Paddy Cummins want Matt Renshaw to take Travis Head's position, or do the selectors make that call and the captain just this is the eleven I've got? I've got to get on with it. How, how's, how does yeah. it work in the current system? Yeah, all the teams I coach, the captain is a really significant player in discussions around selection yeah. uh, and around players and around you know, what he would like. Uh, and then, I guess, whoever wins the debate. And you've got to bring the information to the table and you've got to win the debate around the table. But our captains and Curtis Patterson in this regard and or Moses in the Sixers, you know, we've always had healthy debates around, you know, the, the, the team and why the team is going to... 
or the 11 that's presented or 12 that's presented to the to the captain uh, on the day and he gets about his business after that but certainly they've got an involvement in the process. Greg, really appreciate your time this morning. I uh, hope it goes well in that Shield game tomorrow against Tassie and the rest of the summer as well. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Good to be on. Got to get your tickets for the Big Sports Breakfast Lunch two weeks away, Friday, Feb 24 at the Wink Stand at Royal Randwick Sporting and Racing Royalty will be there. It's a great afternoon. Tickets at the Australian Turf Club's website. That's australianturfclub.com.au, australianturfclub.com.au. Uh, just uh, on the text line here, hey, lads, my horse runs today. Race 7, number 1, Tamworth, Satay Chicken, Barrier 11, 11, 11 of 11. Top weight, should still win. Keep an eye on him. On to the city after, uh, says Wag from Maitland. Good luck, Wag, and good luck to the multi as well, Loz. What have you got for us? Uh, we're going interstate to start with. Sandown, race 4, number 1, Charmstone. We need her to run top 2. And then we have to wait around. Randwick race 10, Waterford. We need him to win. And if that happens, or if you want to be a part of the BSB multi this morning, that is paying $6. Tab app, tab website, click on sport and today's offers. Brad Davidson, good morning. Morning, guys. How are we going? Pretty well, thank you. And looking forward to seeing the Cox Plate champion, Animo, back at the races in the Tab Apollo at Randwick tomorrow. Yeah, he's been trialling particularly well. The stables seem very bullish about his chances and saying that he, he he's back and um, you know ready there. To, dangerously good was the uh, was the comment from James Cummings about suggesting what sort of order he's in for his return. So uh, look, he does clearly look the horse to beat. Dollar uh, seventy, probably you know skinny enough. I've marked him around sort of a dollar ninety, dollar eighty, but. Um, do concede he's clearly the one to beat. Not a lot of speed in that race. I expect him to roll forward, put himself there. And um, yeah, he, he, I thought the main danger was Fangel, but maybe the the 56 mil rain in the last two days. I know it's only a soft five, but um, she would have really liked a, a real firm track there on the weekend. I thought that was her best chance of, of beating him. So that's probably well, that's not going to eventuate. I think this track will still get to probably the good four range, but um, it's just going to take the sting out of it, which is going to help him and. And, yeah, he'll, he'll get a lovely run on speed and might just be a bit too good. But uh, Fangirl, maybe the Quinella horse there, I think she's, um, you know, go back first up last preparation. If she drew a gate, she should have been right alongside him and does draw to get a good run here. They've just got to take advantage of that gate and put her midfield and not let her get it too far back and uh, she'll get a chance late. But Animo, clearly the one to beat, as the market suggests. Could be a big day for Godolphin Davo. Um, in the light fingers, in secret, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be, definitely. Um, look, she's extremely talented, we know that. Um, we saw the the win down there, down the straight at Flemington during the carnival, um, you know, running the, in the Golden Rose and other races as well. Um, she was terrific last year. And the concern I do have, guys, I think I mentioned it yesterday, is I never like horses missing the, the jump at barrier trials, and she's missed it significantly in both barrier trials this time in. So... Odds are she's going to miss it on the weekend, and if she does, she's going to be in an awkward spot back on the rail somewhere there, um, which is definitely not the place to be when the, the rail's true at Ramwick. You want to be in the running line, sort of coming to the middle of the track. So she gets into an awkward spot here, and as a result, uh, at the short odds, I've just got to take her on in the fact that she might get held up and, and might be you know, the good thing beat or the one flashing home late. So, look, I went with North Star Lass. I just think she's the one that's going to be ready to rumble here, up on speed. She trialled well. She gave it a nice searching hit out and 
thought she could lead and, and just give some cheek out in front. But um, concede that, you know, Ramwick Rail True is not really a leader's track, but uh, I just thought out in front at the, around the $8 mark, she was the way I wanted to go just simply because of that barrier mishap for uh, in secret this preparation. I, I like these debates, Dave, because there's no, never a right or a wrong answer. But if you had to choose apt cabin or in secret going forward, which yes. one? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think I'd go up Cabin just simply because he's probably got a... Well, saying that, she's still pretty versatile, isn't she? 12, 1400, but he might have that bit more sort of range, I suppose. You know, he can go to a, a mile, maybe 2,000 metres, and we can still see him so effective at the at the shorter course. So I'll go with him, but look, she's proved it. There's no, she's proven that there's no doubt about that, where he's still got to do that. But uh, he just might have that uh, that bit more range. So I'll go with him, but could easily be wrong on that one. How are you playing tomorrow from a betting perspective? Look, I think the English Millennium's a good race to, to bet into, guys. I know it's a big field and it's a cracking race, but uh, I thought Kundalini was, was great value there. Um, I like the love the run behind Don Corleone, who I think's very, very hard to beat in the opening race there. Tomorrow should win and might even be the Blue Diamond horse for the Snowdens. Um, being a couple of weeks out from that race, uh, if they win that, I mean, there's no word from the stable of where he may go, but um, I'm just reading between the lines at King's Gambit. Uh, now likely, obviously, to, to run next weekend. So he might be saved back here for the, the Todman and the Slipper and they might send a horse like Don Corleone down if he wins well tomorrow, as expected. So she's got the form around that horse. I thought the $7.50 was was, was uh, good value, to be honest. She gets a, a good run um, from the gate and and will put herself close to the speed. And if she reproduces that effort first up, I think she's right there. So, look, I've backed her. I've backed learning to fly the favourite. She's the clear, dominant one on the ratings here, but uh, I do concede that, you know, your Blanc de Blanc, Saltiers and all them can definitely improve, but they, they need to off what they've done to date so far. So, yeah, I thought the English Millennium, I thought Kundalini was, was good value around the $7.50 mark. Seven fifty. that is race six, number 14. Dave, have a great weekend. You too, guys. Enjoy, and we'll uh, chat next week.